My name's Joanne Averson, and you are so welcome to Series 3 of my podcast. Enjoy. I've just returned from a two-week retreat, which is a treat that I haven't given myself for many, 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 many years, decades, in fact. And I actually recorded a podcast curled up in an olive tree with my little recording device. And I was seeking to put across the quiet and have you hear the stillness and the silence around me and the real appreciation of slowly And unfortunately, because I'm not very techie, I didn't put the windsock on the recording device. And all you can actually hear is the slightest rustle of the leaves of the olive tree that I was sitting in, kind of talking to each other. And unfortunately, as the background in a podcast, it was, um, it sounded like a technical issue. As profoundly beautiful as it was as an experience. So I had to abandon that. And it the opportunity didn't arise again for me to go and find the windsock and go back and climb the tree and repeat the podcast. But it was, I don't know how to put it across to you, how much value and depth and meaning there was to pausing and slowing down again and again and again and again and then more. And then when we got to that place, we slowed down. And I had the great privilege of working with Angela Farmer. And I know a lot of you that know me will have heard of her. And like Vanda Scaravelli, she worked directly with Iyengar as did her husband, Victor. And they were both um, students of his and have subsequently taken the work of yoga in the West into their own um, wisdom and their own experience and their own ways. And on this occasion, I only worked with Angela, but I had the great privilege of meeting Victor and spending some time with his work and having his books. And, and they're brilliant, absolutely brilliant and to spend that time with such a consummate grand godmother of goddess. I mean, and I don't mean that as a sort of sycophantic, oh my God, she's amazing. Like, you know, I'm, I'm in her fan group, although I am. Angela has a grace and a stillness that is born from experience. You know, it's a tough school, earth school. And she's the first to say that and demonstrate experience of how tough it can be. Um, But the wisdom that she brought to each day and each hour was so profound that it managed to confirm something in everybody. I think that's an extraordinary gift. Being able to work with a group of 30 or more people 
or women in this case, who all were able to find something very unique, very different from each other, but at the same time, all experienced the same depth of kindness to ourselves and gentleness to ourselves and slow, 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 slowness. And, you know, slowness is is an art. It's not just a, a name of a speed. It's an art form. And any of you that have read the newsletter that goes with this podcast will know that I actually had a hilarious experience retrospectively. I had completely forgotten um, what happened before we travelled. And at the very last day, Angela played uh, a haiku, a, a piece of music that's been created. That the, the, the haiku is the voice over the Himalayan singing bowl. And the haiku went like this. O snail, climb Mount Fuji, but slowly, slowly. And we spent a good part of three hours in that beautiful experience, which in fairness to anyone listening, I wouldn't recommend that you just go straight home and get out your yoga mat and start working slowly to a haiku. It it takes time. As I said, it's an art. And it takes time because, in my experience, it's a process of forgiving ourselves for going so fast and missing so much in the process. Why do I say that? Well, I remember many, many years ago, I think my son was two or three. And we were on holiday. So there was his father, captain of the boat, and me and my close friend Zara and our two boys, Ben and Luke. And the boys were, they're two weeks apart. So they were both three or four years old. And Zara and I had taken the boys for a walk and I think Ben's father had gone shopping and he came back and he said, okay, guys, come on, we've got to get back to the boat because we're getting close to the tidal range and we need to lift the anchor and get moving before we're caught by the tide. And Ben, my son, had spotted a snail. And he was half squatting so that he could put his hands on his little knees. And I can still remember the striped shorts he was wearing and the little blue baby grow. And he was looking down at the snail and he was watching fascinated by the trail the snail was making over the ground. He just couldn't believe it. And I had been watching him watching. And and Zara was just on the other side of this pathway, you know, with, um, I think she had the buggy that we'd had the boys in and we, she was looking at me and I was looking at her and we were looking at Ben and it was really funny. I think Luke was in the buggy and he, we were all just watching Ben, watching this snail. It was, it was mesmerizing. And he was turning his head and 
It's looking some more and pointing at this trail. And he was so enraptured by the magic of this snail. And I remember his father called across to us, come on, guys, we get a wiggle on, we need to move. And he looked over at Ben and he said, come on, Ben, time and tide waits for no man. And he sort of looked at me like it was getting urgent. It was his responsibility to get the boat out safely and us all on it first and so on. And I looked at Ben and I said, Ben, come on, sweetheart, we have to go. And he still had his little hands on his knees and he looked up at me and he looked down at the snail and he looked back at me and he was, he tore himself away from this slow fascination with this creature and this growing trail that was sparkling in the sunlight. And I gently and reluctantly took his hand and we walked. I mean, he really, it was like, you know, he didn't want to move. And I was so gently pulling on his hand. Come on, sweetheart, we've got to go back to the boat. And he just stood up and he took one step and he stopped and he rooted himself into the ground. And he turned round to the snail and he took this great big breath and he said, Bye-bye, snail. And he tore his gaze away and moved his head so reluctantly into the direction that we were headed. And Sarah and I looked at each other and put our hands on our hearts and went, oh, God bless, because it just felt like cruelty, taking him away from this source of magic. And of course, it was soon forgotten and we were back on the boat in time and we did all that we needed to do. But I never forgot that moment. And it was nearly 30 years ago and I just recalled it with such excitement and depth when I was in the middle of a slow, slow practice and a beautiful, haunting voice gently repeating the words over a singing bowl. O oh, snail, climb Mount Fuji, but slowly, slowly. And that haiku, that Japanese haiku, was so beautifully poignant and such a reminder of that time. And I, I looked back and I thought, oh my goodness, we, we so don't know what we've got till it's gone. And that sweetness of our grown-up children's childhood and those moments when we just are present, just so present. And I just wanted to share with you the value and the power of slowing down. Um, it's not something I'm putting out there as an instruction, please. I know, I mean, Instagram and YouTube and everything, we've all got wall-to-wall -wall ideas about what works. And if you're anything like me, slowing down is a wonderful idea and something you can aspire to. But actually, it's super inconvenient and extremely difficult to do in this day and age, really. 
But as many of you know, I was kind of forced to slow down this last year and I have realised it's an art form. And that means it takes practice and that means it takes intention and that means it takes repetition and that means it takes a learning process. And for me, it's been a very deep learning process of self-awareness, self-forgiveness, self-compassion, self-kindness, of just forgiving myself for judging myself as being in a hurry most of the time, forgiving myself for judging myself for not having enough time. Now, I I sound a bit like a philosopher, and actually a lot of you know me as a fascia specialist in some form or another, but you know, fascia is our tissue of temporality. It's our tissue of time. It tells the time in our bodies, and it tells the timing, which is a whole subject in itself for another podcast. But what's so important is that it covers the spectrum of time. And what I mean by that is when we do things slowly over time and we build in habits deeply over months, years or decades, those habitual patterns are writ large in our fascial tissue. And it's part of our healing matrix. It's a major interface as well as the connecting tissue and the disconnecting folds and the distinguishing shapes of us. It's all those things. It's also the largest sensory organ of the body. And one of the things that I think it also does is acts as an interface between the spirit of us, the anima animus that animates us, and the matter of how we animate and the pattern we animate in. So I don't think of our spirits being in our bodies. I think of our bodies being in our spirit. I think our spirit is much, much bigger than us. I think it reaches out way beyond our location. I think it holds us. And I think often we get very caught in, are we in the right place? Should we be doing this at the time? Am I doing the right thing for me, for them? Am I serving them appropriately? Am I doing what works for me? What should I do? And it's all a little bit like echolocation from our surroundings. I don't think we tend naturally, and certainly in our Western culture, to spend much time focusing inward and asking ourselves from the inside, how am I? Am I in the right place? And for myself, I know I don't spend time making time to slowly ask me how I am. And then, here's the crucial bit, listen to the answer. And it gets tricky because on any given day, any given part of the body gives me a different answer. And if I'm present, I'm fine with that. And if I'm not present, I'm not fine with that. And the thing about 
working at the art of slowly. Is that we take time to find out. And the most remarkable thing can happen. We then start understanding the communication system that the fascia is. I have a, I don't know what you would call it. I don't know if it's a gift. I don't know if it's a difficulty. I don't know what you would call it. But my hands speak fluent fascia from so many years of treating people and learning so many distinctions of it. And as such, I can hear the, uh, we could call them harmonics. I can hear, I literally hear uh, myofascial tissue or whatever tissue it is talking back. And I can hear whether it's resonant or dissonant. It doesn't speak English. The body doesn't speak English, obviously, or French or whatever your mother tongue is. I actually hear it. And I realized that I I sense my own tissue when it's loud and clear, but I don't take time necessarily to listen into the nuance. And when I do, it sometimes feels like a spiritual experience because it, it feels as if a voice other than mine, is talking to me, but it's a voice of grace. And the grace is mine to keep if I hear it and listen well enough. And I think that's true for all of us. And I think something happens when we think in the resonance of snail and allow ourselves the time for that slow experience. And you, you can go through barriers of irritability. Like, oh, for God's sake, you can hear your mind going, give me a break. Oh my goodness, I don't have time for this. What is this? What am I going to get out of this? Oh my God, all that. And yet you come back to this place where after spending a period of time in that quality of listening to yourself with no aim is... Oh, I can't tell you. You, you, you. It's like you come out with a gift. It's just extraordinary. And the thing that made me laugh as I went back over my holiday photos, just looking back and taking a little bit of time out to see what I'd seen and filmed and photographed, I got back to the place where I'd stayed with my friend in London, Linda, before I came. And I'd gone to the bathroom and this very, very beautiful bathroom. It's really lovely. And a snail had come over the edge of the sink really, really slowly. And because the sink was snow white, the snail really showed up and it looked so beautiful against the tiles. And I took a photograph of it. And the next morning before we left, it had just made its way to the other side of the sink. And I took another photograph. And it was just so delightful. And it was some crazy early hour of the morning, so and I, I, I forgot about it completely almost straight afterwards. But it was so remarkable that Angela had made the course so much about slowness and gentleness and kindness to ourselves. Not like that's new, but just that she has such a special, beautiful way of bringing us there with joy and reverence and awe. It was completely.
completely beautiful. And to go back over my photographs and have the last lesson literally include a haiku about a snail and that the last thing I did in the UK was film a snail having walked all night across a sink was just exquisite because it felt as if heaven had somehow directed all the proceedings and given me the intention of the program and then given me the program and then given me the opportunity to come home and share it, which I'm doing in this podcast with you. And I just want to say thank you to everybody for the lovely um, responses I get to these podcasts and the email responses to the newsletters. I, it really thrills me. I'm, I'm so grateful. And I had the most wonderful feedback from the podcast about the trees and experiencing them. And that was another theme that Angela used a lot. And I really hope that something of this message will get across to you and you'll maybe delve into some of the magic of slowness. I, I think I've talked about my friend Jada Berg and her channeling the inner tortoise. I haven't found my inner tortoise yet, but I am finding my inner snail. And uh, it takes a lot of time. It's it's an art form, really. And so it might take a lot more practice. But uh, I wish you well with your practice. And I invite you to find some of the enormous benefits of giving yourself time to do very little for some while try it out and let me know how you get on. I'm intrigued. Much love and light to each of you. God bless. <laughs>